0: Chapter 19, and then we'll go to chapter 20. Exodus chapter 19, and we'll go to chapter 20. If you love the Lord, let me hear you say yes. yes. All right. I said if you love Jesus, let me hear you say yes. yes. I'm not convinced. If you love the Lord, shout unto God with the voice of trust. Somebody say yes, amen. Yes. All right, here we are. Notice Exodus 19, Exodus 19 and verse 3. Exodus 19 and verse 3. We are still in our series, so excited about it, preaching on the great controversy, looking at the seven phases of salvation. First phase, pre-creation. Second phase, creation. Third phase, fall, conflict. Fourth phase, covenant. We're looking at covenant now. We're looking at covenant now. And in verse 3 of chapter 19, the Bible says, Moses went up. Read with me, everybody. It's right there on the screen. No need to uh, dilly-dally with this. It's right there for your eyes to see. Verse 3, Moses went up. The mountain to God and the Lord called. I can't hear you to him from the can't hear you the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of and explain to the verse four. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles wings. You brought uh, uh, wings and brought you to me. Verse five. Sorry. Now, if you will listen to me and carefully keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the what? All the earth is, can't hear you, all the earth is, and you will be my kingdom of, and my holy, these are the words that you are to say to the, now go to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1, oh yes, Exodus chapter, by the way, what's in Exodus chapter 20, does anybody know, what is it everybody, uh, talk to me. I can hear you, but I want you to say it with a little bit more passion. You're in the right place. What's in Exodus chapter 20, everybody? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Now, we are talking about covenant here. And I explained to you last week that covenant is essentially, here's a simple definition. Stay here. here stay here. Stay here. The definition of covenant is relational faithfulness. In other words, God makes a promise to Abraham Same promises made to Isaac, same promises made to Jacob. And here's the promise. Are you ready for the covenant? Here's the covenant. Covenant is this. I'm going to bless you. Ah, ah, That's how he starts. He doesn't ask you for nothing. He says, I'm going to do what, everybody? I'm going to bless you. And then then he says this. And you can find all of this in Genesis chapter 12. Then he says, and all people's throughout the entire world, will be blessed through you. So, in other words, God says, I'm going to bless you, and then I'm going to send my son through your family to save you. Yeah. <sighs> catch, catch the order. I'm going to bless you, then I'm going to save you. All right, let's try it again. I'm going to bless you, then I'm going to what? God does not save us, then bless us. God blesses us in order to save us. All right. Now I'm arguing today that there's really only one covenant. Most of us. And this is so, so so confusing for some of us. We don't even, this is is like new language to us today. What is a new and an old covenant? Well, you'll find out in a minute, but let me simplify for you today. There's really only one covenant because there's only one God. And that covenant is a covenant he made with humanity, covenant basically, a promise, relational faithfulness. I'm making a promise to Demario. I covenant with you that I will love you no matter what to the end. The Bible calls it an everlasting covenant. In other words, it does not change. His love keeps going and going and going and going and going and going. So a covenant is God's way of trying to save us. He saves us by making a promise. You're not hearing me. It's not sinking in. You are not saved by the, by the works of the law. You are saved because God made a promise. Amen. Amen. He says, I'm going to bless you. And then through you, Abraham, I'm a, through one of your children, this is an amazing thing, is going to be your God yeah. and your Savior. Yeah. And his seed will save you. Right. Are we cool? Yeah, All right, now watch this. Going down to Exodus 20 in verse 1. Now, before I read this passage of Scripture, I want you to turn around and look at those Ten Commandments up there. Everybody see that? Now, this, uh, did, was that up there before? Somebody tell me, was that, up, was that there? Um, what, did we put that up there, or was that there before we got here? We put it up. Lord have mercy. I was hoping we wouldn't say that. <laughs> now, was the cross there with the commandments when it first went up, or did the cross come afterwards? What is the first commandment? Huh? Talk to me. What is the first commandment? Okay, let's read what the Bible says. The Bible says in Exodus 20 and verse 1. Then God spoke all these words. You ready? Verse 2. I am Yahweh, the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Stop right there. Right after that comes the Ten Commandments. Y'all missed that. Let me read that again. We're so quick to jump into obedience that we didn't realize we just got a hookup. The first statement from the Lord, before he tells you what his expectations are, is he's telling you what he's already done. Listen, he says, I am the Lord, your God, personal. I'm your God. We, we have a relationship. If you read the, t- the text carefully in Exodus 19, I don't have time to go into it today, but I'll just give you this brief synopsis. The Bible says, as these, fo- as these former slaves... Had to literally be miraculously moved exodust out of slavery. Four hundred years. They're the children of who? Israel. Israelites. Why are they called Israelites? Because they are named after their daddy, who is Israel. Who was formerly what? The word Israel means those that overcome. The children of Israel are supposed to be overcomers, but how are they going to overcome? They're not going to overcome because of a list of rules. They're going to. What did God do first before he oh, hear me now? Come on, stay here, saints, because I, I, want, I want to make sure that we're you're teaching the right stuff. The other day in Sabbath school, we were having a conversation and, and we had to make clear in the Sabbath school class that you don't repent in order to receive forgiveness. Most of us feel that we do good things to God and then God blesses us. But God says that's not the way I've ever operated. The way I operate is, is I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of slavery now in light of what I have done for you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Shall I have no other gods before it? Etc. 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 The problem is many of us relate to God like He is a law book. A list of rules that must be kept in order to appease his anger. Tell the truth. Most of us. Let me tell you who this sermon is for. This sermon is for those of you who joined the Adventist church because of the Sabbath and because of the state of dead and because of the second coming. But you have never really been born again. You joined because it was intellectual truth. Amen. Is anybody here with me today? In other words, this is why you join. Because this is right and what they are saying is wrong. And I'm convinced that this is the truth. So I'm going to side myself with truth versus error. But the problem with that coming in, see if you come in wrong, then God's going to need to convert you along the way. As he has done for See, I grew up in this thing, and the problem with growing up in this, I'm going to talk to all of you who grew up in the church, who grew up in the church, who grew up in the church. See, your problem is, is a lot of times, unless you went out into the world and then came back in some kind of miraculous fashion, then you never really know if you were born again, because you were enculturated into the church. You're just doing what you're supposed to do because you're supposed to do it. But you don't have a text for why you're doing it. You don't really know theology and the study of the scriptures. You've not been converted from the inner man. Yeah. This is who I am. Yeah. And you know difference in the person says, I was born Baptist, I'm going to die Baptist. Yeah. Some of you are born Adventist and going to die lost. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you a question. And you can tell the lack of understanding of covenant based on these kind of conversations. Folks basically want to know, how much sin can I commit and still get saved? How, how much can I get away with? How much can I take with me to heaven? But somebody who is in love, and see, this is Christ's method here with first blessing us. Same thing with Abraham. Same thing with the children of Israel. Before I give you a list of rules, before I give you a list of expectations, before I lay out righteousness, I want you to know that I'm your God. I'm a personal God, and I personally brought you out of slavery, out of bondage. I delivered you from drugs. I delivered you from alcohol. I delivered you from your family. I delivered you from yourself. I delivered you from your own device. I delivered you from the hand of the enemy. I I delivered you, and in light of what I've done, even though you didn't even ask me to do it, I did it simply because that's who I am. Now, in light of my goodness, in light of my grace, in light of my love, in light of my covenant faithfulness, I made a promise and I'm going to keep it. In light of that, have no other gods. Now, watch what happens. Go to verse. hmm. Go to verse. 20. Actually, go to 18. The Bible says, All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, what did they see? They saw it. They didn't see God, they saw fear. Mm -hmm. Amen. When they saw it, watch what happens. The Bible says, When they saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Verse 19. Listen to what the people say. You speak to us and we will listen. They said to Moses, but don't let God speak to us or we will die. Now, God comes out of a mountain of smoke, takes these slaves, transports them with a mighty hand. (laughs) I mean, with signs and wonders. They had been crying out, the word of God says, for deliverance. God showed up on time, pulled them out, and then God comes to them with great, terrible majesty. And instead of God saying, I'm going to kill you because already they've been three months in the wilderness, 90 days. And guess what? They've been murmuring and complaining since they got there. And so God says... The first thing I want you to know about me is that I'm your God and I love you so much that I have delivered you from your situation and yourself. I love you. That's, we got to start this relationship on the right terms. Don't start with a list of rules. I want you to start with what I've done in your life. Okay. okay. So they basically said, you know what? This revelation is too much for us, and no matter how he reveals himself, we just cannot see God as a loving God. Um, Moses, you talk to us, because we can't deal with God. Do you realize that God never intended for Moses to be the spokesperson? Amen. 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 That God was going to talk to his people directly? Remember what the scripture says. The scripture says that he was going to have a kingdom of priests. The only reason why there was a Levitical priesthood is because the people of God were afraid to take on the role and function and responsibility of being a kingdom of priests because they were afraid of God. God said, well, go ahead, Moses, you deal with them." Not long after that. Let's go on a couple of chapters in Exodus 32. God is up in the mountain giving instructions to Moses. Trying to bring about a new experience, a new dimension in his people. And watch what happens. The Bible says, chapter verse 32, verse 32, verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, come make us a God who will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us from the land of Egypt. We don't know what has happened to him. Okay, I just want you to understand what's happening here. God is trying to reveal himself as a loving God. But because their minds have 400 years of slavery in it and they have a view of God that is a angry God that is coming to judge and to doom them every time they make a mistake, they are afraid of him. They don't want to deal with him. They'd rather have a preacher deal with him. Let Moses do it. We can't deal with him. And while God is up there working on transforming their lives... They said, look, he's taking too long. Moses is taking too long. Let's let's make another God. This is what many of us are doing in our lives. See, the God that many of you are worshiping is not the God of the Scriptures. Some of you were raised to worship God in fear. Somebody told you, "Be, be afraid of him all the time. Let us just be honest. There's there's a reason why so many of our young folk left the church. Because we didn't preach the gospel. (coughs) We preach rule keeping. You don't have to say amen. I know I'm telling the truth. Some of of us in here have never experienced grace. Man, I grew up. I couldn't even change my clothes on Sabbath. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Lest the terror of God Amen. Amen. be poured out on me Amen. without mixture. Amen. Some of you don't reason you ain't, you ain't saved for real. You just come to church because you don't want to go to hell. Oh Spirit of prophecy says if Christ were to allow some of us into heaven in our current religious condition, we would get there and beg God to let us out. Because we don't get love. All we get is legalism. I got an illustration. It could be true. You figure it out. There was a young lady named Linda. From the time Linda was a little girl, she wanted to be married. As a child, she dressed up and played weddings and she longed for the day. When Mr. Wonderful, <laughs> I'm telling somebody's story today, would come and sweep her off her feet. Well, as she grew up, that day came. The brother's name is Herman. She kind of liked Herman because she could play on his name and say, her man. Yeah. Now, she, 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 she didn't. She, I wouldn't say it was love at first sight. But it was Special. He was different. He was good looking. He put himself. He he was well kept. And so they got married. He proposed. She said, yes. Dream came true. Well, the night after the honeymoon, 530 in the morning, Herman got up and had a list And says, all right, honeymoon is over. It's time to get up and go. We're already behind schedule. I got a to-do list for you for the first two weeks. And when these two weeks are over, I got another list for you. And she didn't know whether he was joking. And some of y'all are like, was she a sister? Because, you know, well, I tell you, we got, listen, we, <laughs> that's, that's a stereotype. It don't matter what color you are. All of us put up, I haven't seen every put up with foolishness. Anyway, that's another, another sermon for another day. Anyway, so, so, so her man <laughs> had a list. He said, let's go home. So they went to their new home, and when he got there, he took out the list. I got a copy of it, and I want to read it to you. Here's the list. Linda's list. 5.30 a.m., rise and shower. 6 a.m., begin Breakfast. Menu attached. 615. Awaken Hermipoo with a gentle kiss and turn on shower for him. 645. Serve breakfast. Don't forget grapefruit juice. 515. I'm sorry. 715. Begin breakfast cleanup while husband brushes teeth. This is the list. 7.25, meet husband at front door with appropriate jacket in hand, pay attention to weather, say goodbye with a smile and a kiss. 7.30 a.m., finish breakfast cleanup. 8 a.m., free time. 8.15, house cleaning. House cleaning, cleaning supply lists, and more detailed instructions are attached. 11 a.m., balance checkbook. 12 noon, have lunch. Whatever you'd like to eat except marked items that are fattening. 12.30 p.m., miscellaneous duties. Monday, car maintenance, appointments, wash car. Tuesday, dry cleaning and banking. Uh, Wednesday, shopping list attached. Thursday, wash windows. Friday, yard work. He's just just an organized guy, that's it. Her man got a plan, all right? 3.30, dinner preparation. See attached menu. 4.30, meet husband at door with a smile and a kiss and hang his coat. 5 p.m., serve dinner. 5.40, dinner cleanup. 6.15, free time. See the list of suggestions. 6.30, draw a bath for husband. 7 p.m., next day's ironing. 7.45, (laughs) hand husband towel as he exits the bath. Some of y'all know where this is going. 8 p.m., neck and back massage for the man of your dreams. 8.15, make love to him until he goes to sleep. Nine o'clock, lights out, pleasant dreams, sweetheart. Well, Linda was trying to be a good wife. She said, "We, you know, this is the first year. We're just trying to work through some stuff." Some of y'all shaking your heads, but y'all trying to act like y'all ain't never put up with nothing. You can sit there and be, y'all can sit there and be high-minded all y'all want, but you're still with him. <laughs> You're still with her anyway. So so Linda tried to be a good wife for a while. And after a while, she was doing it, but she didn't like doing it. Ten years goes by. She hates him. But she, in public, she has to act like she loves him. So in her heart, she's conflicted. Then one day, out of nowhere... Herman drops dead. She was so conflicted, she didn't know whether she should praise the Lord, (laughs) mourn his loss. So because Linda is the 10-year faithful wife that she's been, she tried to mourn him, but as she mourned, she couldn't help but rejoice. In the shape that she was in, she felt like I'd never be married again. Can't do that. But come on now. We can't help ourselves. We know we can't help ourselves. We're suckers for love. So you know what happened? One day, she met a guy named Michael. Mike was a little different. He wasn't as structured as Herman was. But uh, she wanted to take it slow. Right? You know what I'm saying? She wanted to make sure that she went about this the right way this time. Well, after a while, her heart got the best of her and her and Michael fell in love. And you know what Michael did? Got down on his knee and proposed. And you know what Linda said? She said, yes, yes. Well, after the honeymoon, 530 a.m. in the morning. Michael gets up at the end of the bed, kind of like Herman did, and he had a, a piece of paper in his hand. And your girl got up in a Karate Kid stash. <laughs> hey, y'all, y'all remember the crane from back <laughs> Not up in here! <laughs> Michael said, yo... Says, I just wanted to read a poem that. <laughs> I wanted to read a poem that I, I wrote all night thinking about you. After she, she had tore it up, so she pieced it back together, began to read a poem. She's just like, man, this, this guy's amazing. And you know, as the marriage began to progress, you know, Mike was doing some of the things that she used to do for Herman. Mike was doing chores, and Mike was cooking, and Mike was taking care of business, and I mean, it was just, it was beautiful. One day, she was in the attic, and she was rummaging through some old stuff, and she, she found a couple of the old lists from Herman. And as she was going through the list, tears began to flow down her face. She said, oh my God. I'm doing the same stuff for Michael that I did for Herman, except that I didn't even know that I was doing it. I actually enjoy doing it, and he's doing the same for me. What was the difference? The first thing is, she was married to the wrong woman. She thought that Herman was the kind of marriage you're supposed to be in. But after that thing got legalistic, and she realized over time, because Herman was such a critic, that there was nothing she could do to satisfy him. She wasn't good in bed. She wasn't good in the kitchen. She wasn't good at cleaning. She wasn't good at nothing. Nothing was good enough. And subsequently, that relationship ended in his death. And then Michael comes along. Same stuff, except it wasn't a list. It was love. Go to Romans chapter 7. Go to Romans chapter 7. Go to Romans 7. Verse, uh, let's see, let's look at verse 1. Let's put that on the screen. Romans 7, verse 1. Paul is speaking to rule-oriented, legalistic, Seventh-day Adventists. Church people who grew up feeling like They married the wrong one. Truth is, you don't even like God. You don't. You tell yourself you love him, but how can you love a God like that? The bottom line is, that ain't God. You're worshiping an image that Satan has created of God that never existed. Watch what Paul says. Paul says, since I'm speaking to those who understand law, brothers, are you unaware That the law has authority over someone as long, watch this guys, as he lives. For example, a married woman is legally bound to her husband while he lives. Don't miss this. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law regarding her husband. Some of you are going to get this thing in a minute. Verse 3. So then, if she gives herself to another man while her husband is living, she will be called an what, everybody? But, if Herman dies, she is free from that Negro. Then, if she gives herself to another man, she is not what, everybody? All right, watch this. Verse 4. Therefore. Thank you, Jesus, for the gospel. My brothers, you also were put to death in relation to the law through the crucified body of the Michael. (laughs) So that you may belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. That we may bear fruit for God. Verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions operated through the law in every part of us and bore fruit for death. Verse 6. But now we have been released from the law since we have died to what held us so that we may serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old letter of the law. Let me break this down. Oh, Y'all better call the conference president. Somebody about to get mad. Stop saying we are under the law. Amen. We are not under Herman. You trying too hard to prove the Sabbath by saying we're under the law when the Bible just said you are not under the law. I don't want you to miss a word I'm about to say. You cannot be under a law that was meant to condemn you and be saved yeah. the reason why there is a law and this is why I have a problem with us as a, be- a-, a-, a believers when we would put the commandments up before we put the cross Amen. Amen. those commandments are there to show us that we need a savior yeah. 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 and I told you the other day some of you, have been in love, you've been trying to love Herman all this time, but because you're so churchy, you're not willing to leave him. But you don't realize you ain't serving God. You're worshiping an image of God that was made by Satan to cause you to be lost in trying to be saved. Or oh, you missed that. You missed that. God told me that most of the people in the body of Christ are bound. Some of y'all are bound on foolish stuff, stuff that's not even in the Bible. You got rules on top of rules. And God says, I don't come to you as a rule, God. My first revelation to you is, I am the Lord your God. That brought you out of the land of bondage. That brought you out of slavery. I don't want you serving me in order to keep a list. I want you to serve me because you love me. And you love me so much that you don't even realize that you're doing the stuff that I want you to do. I'm telling you, some of y'all grew up... I'm ashamed to say... I am 30, what? (laughs) I want to be 37, but I think I'm 38, I can't remember. (laughs) Anyway. And I want to be honest with you, there are many of you right now who have never experienced the good news. And the only reason you serve him is because you feel you have to. And God says, I don't want you serving me because you feel like you have to. I want you to serve me because you're in love with me. This, notice, notice what the Bible says. He's, this is why the Bible says your righteousness is as filthy rags. I'm going to show you something else. I'm going to show you something else. go with me to 2 Corinthians 4:4 4, 4. Can I teach this brothers and sisters? No, I'm convinced. Ellen White says that 1 in 100 are converted. Some of y'all don't even like Ellen, but she helping y'all out. Ellen said most of us in the church have not been born again. Because you weren't preach the gospel You were preached, scare the hell out of them and then and then let them join. You still married to Herman. And, you know, you don't like serving him. See, this is so. And so in church, you say, listen, we need folks to tithe. If you're not tithing, you don't love him. If we have to beg you to minister, you don't love him. Who are you to tell me, pastor, that I don't love the Lord? You didn't have to tell me. Your behavior announced it. I I go here over and over again. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, baby. I'm, I'm pointing to my wife. I want to please her. God knows I do. I don't always act like it. But, but, but when you are in love, I'm doing, here's the crazy thing. All my boys can testify. I'm doing stuff in my marriage that my buddies will say you doing what? You stayed at home with your children so your wife could get through dental school? This selfish punk? I'm telling you, I don't know if y'all were as selfish as I am. So I know some of y'all, y'all most of y'all ready for translation. But I'm the worst sinner in here. I'm telling you, I am selfish. Oh, y'all not hearing me. Y'all remember I told you when I first got married? I mean, I was Herman. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, okay. Oh Lord, I'm about to keep this thing 100. <laughs> do what you want, what I want you to do. Look the way I want you to look. Behave the way I want you to behave. Uh, do, do what, and then, and then later on the night. Amen. Hey, what y'all doing out here? I'm preaching. I'm going to How come ain't nobody in the sanctuary? Hey, the Lord let me out here. Why ain't y'all out here? Ain't God awesome? Found some stragglers out there. I'm doing things that I don't know why I'm doing them. I, I'm serious. I'm in love. I'm cold-blooded Got knocked over the head in love. But before, I was lusting after my own wife. No, it ain't. Y'all missed that. There, see, let me, I have to use the marriage as an illustration here. See, there are some of us who want benefits. And we think because it's marriage, it's legit. If you ain't in relationship, then you can lust after your own wife. Taking stuff without loving. Demanding stuff without giving. I can't get no help in here today. I'm going to preach all by myself. And so, because we don't know how to relate to one another, God shows up in our life one day and says, I love you. I bought you out of bondage, and now I've got some commandments that are and I love what Ellen White says, the patriarchs of prophets. She says they are promises. <laughs> in other words, the commandments are saying, I promise. To help you to have no other gods before you. I promise that you will not have any idols. I promise that you will not take my name in vain. I promise that if I get inside of you, then you will keep my Sabbath. You will not lie, steal, kill. Come on in here, somebody. You cannot obey God's commandments. Amen. 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 The Holy Ghost has to get inside of you. To help you to please him, let me read Second Corinthians three, six. Second Corinthians three. Six. When you're there, would you say amen? amen? Here's the problem. Here's the problem right here. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. Watch this now. Not of the letter. The letter means being legal. Amen. I, I made his clothes, I packed his lunch. I gave him a bath. I sent him on his way. I don't have any guys before me. Remember, You know know all these guys in the Bible that would come to Jesus, and they were like, what thing must I do to be saved? And Jesus would like keep the commandments, and they were like, I've done this, that, and the other. Then the Lord would say this. He says, wait a minute. Now, you've done the letter. Let me give you an example. Sabbath keepers that are mean. You ain't saved. I don't, uh, brothers and sisters, I don't care what you eat or what you don't eat. If you got a bad attitude, then you are not converted. I ain't talking about having a bad day. I'm talking about you steadily are mean as the devil. Last night in worship, uh, the children read, uh, those of you, you got a plank in your eye. But you have superhuman vision to see past the two by four in your eye to see the speck of dust in everybody else's eye. You ain't saved. Now, understand, there is a culture in our church where we were the, the dumbest things disturb us because we are under old covenant. See somebody with earrings on and then folks get. Uh, Okay, let me ask you a question. Now you drove up and down this hood to get here and you saw a bunch of little boys with no fathers. That didn't bother you though. Right, right. That girl's skirt bothered you. Mm-hmm. The fact that we didn't have AY bothered you. The fact that there's a drum in the church. That's mad. I mean, how dumb can we be? Yeah. Tell me we are not like the Pharisees of old... Tell me we're not right, calling furniture holy. <laughs> Are you a Catholic or what? The Bible says you, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse seven. Now, if the ministry of death chiseled in letters on stone, don't miss this, came with glory so that the Israelites were not able to look directly at Moses' face because of the glory from his face, a fading glory, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Verse 9, for if the ministry of condemnation, talking about the law, had glory, the ministry of righteousness overflows with even more glory. Verse 10, in fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now, talking about the law, by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. <laughs> comparing what? Comparing the, <laughs> comparing the law to the cross. What's more beautiful? Yes, yes, yes. By the way, in the early Adventist church, James White commissioned two paintings to be done. This was before they had PowerPoint. So they would make these paintings and then they would go preach the Advent message. When he first commissioned, I didn't get a chance to put it up today, and I will next time. But the first painting that he commissioned was a painting, and in the center of the painting were the Ten Commandments. Ellen White saw it and says, uh uh-uh. That's not it. Over time, her and her husband got disturbed. What message are we sending? Then they recommissioned it, the artist went back to work, and the next time... The commandments could be seen somewhere in the distance, barely, but at the center was a cross with a lamb slain, the blood flowing from the cross. Some of you don't think that you're an Adventist if you don't just talk about last days. Adventism is the cross of Jesus Christ. You came in wrong and you need to be converted. You need to see the glory of Jesus Christ. You cannot keep his commandments if you don't have the indwelling presence of the comforter, the Holy Ghost. There's one covenant. So when the Bible talks about a new covenant, you know what it's really saying? Their minds are so darkened as to who I am that now I've got to go from watch this. Didn't didn't Lucifer commit sin in heaven? Were there Ten Commandments in heaven? There was a law. What was the law? Love God. After sin, then God had to add this. Love God, love each other. Amen, Amen. Amen. Then after 400 years of slavery, God says, now i got to break this down, thing down in details because their minds are gone. They don't know how to act. But the commandments are divided into how many sections? Come on, Bible students, come on. How many sections is the commandments broken into? Two. What's the first half talk about? Love for who? And the second half is love for what? It's the same covenant. But see, the covenant is based on promises. But notice what God had to do. God puts the law in front of us to make us fail. See, if some of y'all don't fall, you ain't going to run to Jesus. Y'all not hearing me. See, some of y'all though. God, the commandments as the word of God teaches and the writings of the spirit of prophecy is a mirror to show me myself so that I begin to see how wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked that I am. And I cry out when I see the law and I say, I need a savior because I can't do it. Does anybody feel me here today? Have you been trying and failing, trying and failing, coming short of the glory of God? I've got to move. Go to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, 32 and 33. Jeremiah 31. What verses did I say, everybody? 32 and 33. Is this my text? Yes. This is one. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. I gotta I gotta make an adjustment because they were so slave-minded. But now, let me show you what I've really been trying to get at. Look at what he says here. He says, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. A covenant they broke even though I had married them. Oh, bless the wonderful name of Jesus. Watch this. Watch this. Here comes your shout. What verse are we on, saints? Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my And no longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins. What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying that what I've been trying to do from the beginning of time is not post some rules on a wall. I've been trying to get my spirit down inside of you so that you want to do what's right and you're not keeping score and you're not comparing yourself to other people and you're not boosting your ego and, and you're not looking for ways not to do all that God has required. But now you're at a point where you're so in love with his deliverance and so in love with his mercy and so in love, I feel God in here, so in love with his grace and so in love with his kindness and so in love with his long suffering and so in love with his faithfulness. I thought I'd get one witness on that. So in love with his faithfulness that now, instead of having to feel guilty to do what God wants you to do, you want to do it. You love to do it. You love to serve him. You desire to do his will. Yeah. David said, "I love your law.". Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Ezekiel. 36: 26. Am I helping anybody? Some of you are so bound? You're just as wicked as the world. you just dressed a little more differently. You act holier when church folk are around. Hey, let me tell you, this is the reason why folks sin the same thing over and over again. You ain't fell in love. It hadn't hit you yet. That's, and that's why I don't feel compelled to make somebody look like me if their heart ain't been transformed. I can't. We got here. Okay. I have got to be in a mindset of love. The Bible says, if you love me, do what? He said, if you love me, do what? If. That's a conditional particle, which is to suggest if you don't love me, do not keep my commandments. You are better off going full steam into sin than keeping God's commandments. Don't let nobody else out that door. It's distracting to me. I'm getting. uh, Hold that door. Somebody. Post. Put a rifle there or something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to be hard. It's just, every it's like it's real distracting. Um, but, but brothers and sisters, what was I saying? See, that's what I'm talking about. What was I saying? Huh? Yes, if you love me, do what? By the way, if you need to go out, go out that way. Go down through. Cameras are rolling. Pastors easily distracted. Try not to go out these doors let the church say amen. 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 If you love me. so no, 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 it just hit me the other day. He said, if. In other words, I don't want you keeping my commandments if you don't love me. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I don't want you to do that. Yeah. Go ahead. Go into the world and have a ball. And then when my love hits you, then keep them. Yeah. Ezekiel 16. Yeah. I'm sorry. Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. I have one more scripture, and then we're done. Ezekiel 36. I have to build my case here because I'm going to be preaching on this all year long. Until we get some saved folks, some born again folk in the body of Christ. Some folk who love to do God's will. Not these part time church folk. Not these folk who come to church but won't return tithe. Or who, who, sit, who sit out online and watch me right now but won't come fellowship with the saints. Folks who love to come and hear the preacher and go home and do nothing. Where, where, where we have to, and we're not going to do this anymore, leadership. We're not going to get up and make people feel guilty for not serving in the church. If you love me, serve. You're better off with a few that are in love. You can change the world with love. You can't change the world with legalism. Thirty-six twenty-six. Amen? Look at what the scripture says. He says, I will give you a new heart. Hallelujah. How many need that? He says, and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of. You know what a stony heart is? It's a heart that re- that doesn't really want to serve the Lord. but just I have to. God says, I'm going to take that foolishness out and give you a heart of flesh. Go to Ezekiel 16. This is what the Lord has done for you as I close. Last, verse, last passage, Ezekiel 16. This is what the Lord has done for you. Mm-mm-mm. Ooh, Lord. I, 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 hope, I, I hope you can contain yourself after you see this scripture. I hope you can. Verse 6. Ezekiel. Now, I want you to imagine that God is talking to you. All right. I passed by you. Help me, Lord. I passed by you and saw you lying in your own blood. And I said to you, as you lay in your own blood, live. Yes, I said to you, as you lay in your own blood, live. I made you thrive like plants of the field. You grew up and matured and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed and your hair grew, but you were stark naked. Then I passed by you and saw you, and you were indeed at the age for love. So I spread the edge of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I pledged myself to you entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I washed you with water, rinsed off your blood, anointed you with oil. I clothed you in embroidered cloth and provided you with leather sandals. I also wrapped you in fine linen and clothed you with silk. I adorned you with jewelry, putting bracelets on your wrists and a chain around your neck. I put a ring in your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful tiara on your head. Uh, verse, I lost my text here. Okay, verse, verse 13. So you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was made of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate the fine flour, honey, and oil. You became extremely beautiful and attained uh, royalty. Your fame spread among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor, which I bestowed on you. This is the declaration of the Lord. But beautiful. here we go. Here we go. But you were confident in your own beauty and acted like a prostitute because of your fame. You lavished your sexual favors on everyone who passed by, your beauty became his. You took some of your garments and made colorful high places for yourself and you engaged in prostitution on them. These places should not have been built and this should never have happened. You also took your beautiful jewelry made from gold and silver I had given you and you made male images so that you could engage in prostitution with them. Verse 18, then you took your embroidered garments to cover them and set my oil and incense before them. You also set before them as a pleasing aroma of the food I gave you. The fine flour, oil and honey that I fed you. That is what happened. This is the declaration of the Lord. Verse 20, you even took your sons and daughters you bore to me and sacrificed them to these images as food. Wasn't your prostitution enough? You slaughtered my children and gave them up when you passed through them through the fire. to images. Verse 22. In all your detestable practices and acts of prostitution, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were stark naked and lying in your own blood. I'm going to end there. You know what Jesus is saying? What you were like before I showed up in your life and then as I began to bless you even though you didn't ask for most of the stuff I did for you in your life you took all the blessings I gave you your money your time your talent your children you took all of it and he says if that wasn't enough You even sacrificed your children. A whole generation of our children gone. Because what? You worshiped another God. Who is this God I'm talking about? It's that God, that false image of God that is angry at us all the time for everything. We can't do nothing right and we've always got to appease him. God says that's not who I am. I'm the God that finds naked people. In their own blood. I'm the God that finds people caught up in their own mess. I'm the God that finds people with, with heroin in their veins. I'm the God that finds people prostituting yeah. on the streets. I'm the God that finds people stuck in their own sin. I am the God that finds you when nobody else, when nobody else would come for you. When nobody else, well, when you prayed and you asked for help and, and they felt you were too sinful. Where were you? When Jesus found you. And how dare you. Respond to him. With anything. Except. thankfulness? When I think of the goodness of Jesus. You didn't hear what I said. When I think. Of the goodness. Of Jesus. The problem is, is many of us have to be convinced that we were once lost. help your people Many of us, we have to be preached to, to, to be reminded that we are desperately in need of a Savior, even now. You need him just as much as the whores do. You need him just as much as the crackhead do. I take to God help me. You need him as much as the Satan worshipers do. You need him as much as the homosexual does. You need him as much as the murderer and the liar. Oh, don't you get high-minded with Jehovah. You need him. I didn't say you used to need him. I said you need him now. You need him every day and every hour and every single... You can't even have a good thought. Oh, Jesus. You can't even think a right thought unless Jehovah helps you to God help me today. You can't even worship right unless there is blood. You don't love him. You don't love him. I said it. You ain't in love with him. People in love don't look at lists. Yeah. People in love ain't counting how much money they're giving. People in love ain't comparing themselves to other people. Man, they're so love struck, crazy in love. Yeah. Come on in here, somebody. Almost yeah. says, Beyond, what was it, Beyond? Beyond says he was drunk in love. Lord, have yeah. I ain't talking about that. Help me, Jesus. But I'm talking about you, you're just caught up, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. See, I told you you can't think a right thought. Yeah. Huh? Unless the Lord be with you. I'm talking about so consumed by his goodness yeah. and so consumed by his grace. Yeah. Hallelujah. Uh, did he not find you and and clean the blood off you and, and clean the stench of your sin off you? And he washed you and he filled you. And when you ran from him, he chased you. Yeah. Some of us just sit here, Sabbath after Sabbath. Ellen said, "We're as dry as the hills of gibboa No passion, no fire. We late coming and early leaving.. We stingy with God, but generous with ourselves. Y'all don't want to hear the preacher today. I want to change. I want it to be real. I'm not trying to figure out how much I can get away with and still be saved. I want the list. But it don't look like a list. You know what it is to me? It's a poem. and I'm just in love with him. Just in love. I'm just, I'm just crazy in love. I'm just in love. I don't even I, I don't know why I do stuff I do, but I'm in love. I don't know why I praise him like I praise him, but I'm in love. I don't know why I serve him like I serve him, but I'm in love. I don't know, I don't know why I forgive like I forgive. But I know why. I'm in love. I don't know why I don't do the things I don't used to do anymore. But it hit me the other day. I know why. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love. I ain't mad. I'm in love. I ain't afraid. I'm in love. Some of us coming here is so heavy laden and, and so burdened and so guilt-ridden and so full of condemnation the bible says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son the bible says for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved are you born again have you accepted i know you don't feel like i should ask this question But I'm going to ask you anyway, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior and Lord? I don't know who's here today. We're going on this 90-day journey. At the end of this thing, you know what I want? I want to be more in love than I was in the beginning.